Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Well, that's pretty passionate, Aaron. Well, you know, I I am nothing if not passionate for my funny books with Aaron Polly and that guy Wayne. That guy. Less so. Aaron is Less always so passionate. I am. I am. I am. Uh, I'm just. I'm just full of passion. Of of passion or, or ah, okay okay yeah, passion passion. <laughs> so uh, we are recording. He is energized and motivated and passionate and synergistic and a lot of other buzzwords. I am synergistic. <laughs> um, we are recording uh, deep 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 in the heart of uh, the San Di- the ongoing San Diego Comic Con. Uh, we are not at San Diego, but it's going not literally, yeah. but yeah, but but it's happening, you know. And and San Diego Comic Con is is sort of a global event, wouldn't you say? I would say, yeah, yeah, because we all want to know what the news is from the San Diego Comic Con. But like usual, Aaron and I don't actually look it up or read it. No, and th- this is this is one of our favorite shows where Paul tells us things and we respond. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I, it was funny, uh, Paul. This 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 first item on our list, I already knew about. Did you and really? You, and you know why? Why? My wife told me. What? <laughs> yeah, I woke up this morning. She's they're making a sequel to Blair Witch. I'm like another one. <laughs> <laughs> so the, there was a, a panel last night for a film called The Woods from director Adam Wingard. He's directed a, a number of films uh, previously, um, including I believe You're Next, which was a pretty good horror film actually. And uh, at the panel, it was relieved, surprise, there is no such thing as The Woods. It's actually a new Blair Witch movie. Uh-huh. Um, which I believe, I mean, I think now we're like 15 years after the original. Um, but yeah, they, they filmed it in secrecy, a, a sequel to The Blair Witch, uh, and surprised everyone at Comic-Con with a trailer and a screening oh, cool. of the film. Um, and it's already getting rave reviews. People really enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, and I gotta say, I'm excited. I mean, have you guys seen the original Blair Witch? Oh yeah, I, I love. Oh yeah, it. I've seen the original and the sequel. I like the sequel too, but the original, you know, the original screwed everybody up when they first saw it. Yeah, you know, my wife and I were dating when uh, when Blair Witch came out, and so we went and saw it. And I mean, <laughs> the theater was sold out. We had to park in this like satellite parking lot. And you know, so you had to walk through this creepy alley to to get back to the thing. And I, the whole time, I'm like, I'm just dating her. So if something goes down, I can just run. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I had two roommates at the time, and what I did is I rushed home before them and stood in the corner. Uh, you know, I did the same. Thing. <laughs> I did the same thing, but uh, uh, Suzanne spent the night that night, <laughs> and in the middle of the night. I went and stood in the corner. She was not and happy. She still about married it. you. Yeah, and she still married me. <laughs> so yeah, I saw it first on uh, DVD. I didn't see it in theaters, and mostly it was because I had a friend that was obsessed with the movie, and she really thought that it was real. You know, it's one of those films that people like. Like, why do I have to convince you this is not a real movie? Right. Yeah. Like I showed her. The commercials that these actors had been on, like other things. I showed her the IMDb pages, and her answer was, well, yeah, they had to recreate some of the footage. So they found people that looked kind of <laughs> like them. Good grief. Oof, that's a rough one. We were. Yeah, I, I remember that film when it came out, and, you know, it just took the world by storm. We were uh, driving back from the theater uh, shortly after, and, you know, it's, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and... 
coming all around the the back part of DFW International Airport. It's all surrounded by like fields and uh, uh, woods and that kind of thing. And we see this big fireball go up, you know, off in the distance. And so we're like, ah, let's go check that out. Wonder what that was. So we drive down. Next thing you know, we're on this dirt road, and I'm like. I'm suddenly really uncomfortable with this. And she's like, yeah, yeah, turn around, turn around, turn around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we were, it was some kind of, uh, of uh, you know, ghost fire where we were being summoned in to be, you know, killed by the Blair Witch. See, and I didn't, maybe it's because I didn't see it in theaters, but I really enjoyed the movie, but I never, I was never creeped out by you it. You gotta see it in the theater. And I think you have to see it in that time. You know, I mean, I don't think it probably has the same effect today that it did 15 years ago because it was right at the beginning of that whole found footage sort of thing. Yeah. And it was the first found footage movie right. I'd seen. Well, and you got to remember when they premiered it, they very much build it as this is real found footage. And so yeah. that's where the, a lot of that comes from. And when it, you could still get away with that. Right. You know, and it, it, the the it wasn't until after the screenings where they brought out the actors where, I mean, people are like legitimately relieved. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're alive because, you know, tell me where you are, Josh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and it was interesting. I've watched some of the making of interviews and. The re- one of the reasons it was so real was that there was no script right. for yeah. most of it. They actually put the actors out in the middle of the woods and they would set things up for them to encounter. So they were finding it first for the first time themselves with no, yeah. you know, no idea what they were about to run into. Right. You know, it. Uh, I, I've seen it recently and it still holds up. It's still a great film. It's a clever um, bit of filmmaking. It is, yeah. um, you know. Obviously, it, it's it's hindered by the films it has inspired, sure. but um, it still holds up pretty well. And I'm really looking forward to the sequel. It looks really good, and because they brought it in under the radar, the film radar, the film comes out like early September. Yeah, like so it Paul, is. What, what, I'm really curious, away. what I'm really curious about for the sequel is, did they go back to found footage or is it different? It appears to be found footage, but. Um, like, you know, modern day found footage, so it's a lot more crisp and clean. It's HD. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like, Aaron, I don't know if you saw the uh, Blair Witch 2. I did not. The but Book of it wasn't or whatever ex- it was. It wasn't sure. exactly found footage. It was it basically the – there was a whole concept that they were trying to go with on there. But it was a combination of there's found footage, there's uh, security footage, and then there's just normal people there. So it wasn't all like found. It was definitely a different type of movie that was trying to put forth a different concept. Yeah, it's I mean, it's not a bad film, but it's certainly nothing along the lines of the first one. And hopefully this third one will be just as good. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I am one of the people that will be looking forward to this because I love the first one. Yeah. Well, and right before San Diego Comic-Con, sticking with movie news, Fox uh, announced that they are developing Mouse Guard as a live-action film using performance te- capture technology, um, like the Planet of the Apes films, uh, and uh, written by the names, uh, of course, I don't have the names in front of me, but Gary Witta is one of them, who uh, worked on Star Wars uh, Rogue One. Hmm. Uh, obviously, the creator David Peterson is involved. Um, so, I mean, it, it I, sounds I th- pretty awesome. Let me tell you what license to print money that if they do it yeah. right that that movie will be huge it will be it will be gigantic um I, and it's exactly what i wish they would do with uh 
Watership Down, you know, the Richard Adams novel about the the bunnies. Um, I, you know, there is an animated feature that was done back in the seventies, which is fine. Uh, but you know, they had, they had the ability to CGI that stuff now. And I, I just think it would be fantastic. But, uh, yeah. I, I think that I, a mouse guard movie, man, it's a, that's a whole series of films you could make there. License. Oh yeah. Money. God, think yeah. of the merch. <laughs> now, you know, I, um, I struggle with the title or with the description that it's live action. Oh, no, I'm, fair point. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, They're when not. all the characters that are interacting are going to be CGI'd, yeah. is it really live action? Well, I think what, what they mean is it's that motion capture. But, yeah. Uh, but no, I'm down for that. I, I'll, I'll be there opening day. Yeah. Matt oh, yeah, I, is the other writer on the film. He he worked on Cloverfield. He's one of J.J. Abrams' uh, one of his, staple. One of his boys. One of his boys yeah. with a Z. <laughs> I'm excited, but I do think it stretches the uh, the definition of live action. It does. Speaking of boys with a Z, Paul, have you seen Straight Outta Compton? I have not. It is on HBO right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fantastic movie. That's what I've heard, and I mean to catch it. I just oh haven't. my god, I watched it last week. That is a fantastic movie. I will have to watch it. Yeah, I uh, you know it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Well, we're talking about movies, yeah. and we're going to keep talking about movies because DC Animated premiered a Killing Joke at San Diego Comic Con, and I um, mean the room went wild. Yeah, I mean both positive and negative reviews have come out, um, mostly positive. I we will. I, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from too many reviews because I see the movie Monday, same, and I'll same yeah, well, here. Yeah, we'll, yep. we'll we'll have a talk about that movie next week. Uh, but they announced that the next three DC animated movies are Justice League Dark, uh. type, you know, featuring Constantine and Swamp Thing, and uh, you know, based on that comic book. That is super cool. Titans: The Judas Contract. Oh, that's been uh, they've talked about that for a long time, and it keeps getting put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a. I mean. What I like is that in the DC animated features, they're going more adult, more mature, I should say. I don't mean to say pornographic, um, but you know they're 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 not these aren't Teen Titans Go cartoons, right? These these are are designed for a more mature audience, correct? Which I think is key for a for a Titans Judas contract story because well, you got a lot of you got a lot of funky stuff going on there. <laughs> Well, and I wouldn't have much hope for it after the last couple strings of uh, Justice League-related movies mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the fact that they seem to be getting back into the timeless DC stories, mm-hmm. like Killing Joke. Yeah. If they stick with that type of thing, then uh, it'll be better than some of the, the recent Justice League cartoons. They've well, done a good I job with know. Batman. It's just Justice League that's been horrible. Yeah, and the thing about Justice League Dark and Titans Judas Contract is that they can be adaptations, right. or they could be set in that New Fifty Two universe. I, you know, they not much was revealed um, other than the titles, um, you know, because they they kind of set up that Terra was was popping up at the end of that Justice League versus Teen Titans movie. Right. So I don't know if it's going to be you know a sequel to that, or if we're legitimately getting uh, you know an adaptation of the original storyline. I and really can, hope it's can, the adaptation of the original. And can we just revisit how terrible the Teen Titans Justice League movie was? Yeah, it was pretty bad. God, it was bad. <laughs> I mean, I felt uh, I felt like I was being punished for something. <laughs> you likely were. Whew. Who is a rough movie? But Paul, what's this Batman Harley thing? Is this a a, a rom com about Batman and Harley's special weekend together? It might be. I don't know. It's uh, from Bruce Tim is working on a Batman Harley Quinn movie, um, which is due out for release, you know, next year oh, as one of the you had me at Bruce year. Tim. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's pretty. That's pretty hot. Yeah. Now the thing for me though 
is that really the magic of that team is Paul Dini. He's the writer. Yeah. So I'd really like Paul Dini working on it. I, I, all they really said is Bruce Tim. But regardless, uh, my hope is that this will be, you know, the original Batman animated series designs and, you know, I so much stuff at San Diego Comic Con. You know, so many of the um, action figures and things like that coming from DC and some of these other companies that were announced are based on those Batman and Superman animated series yeah. designs from the '90s. They're still popular. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's kind of surprising to me that they have not yet re-embraced bringing those back into the DC animated movies or on television. So, uh, um, speak, you know, speaking of Paul Dini, have you picked up his uh, new graphic novel? I have not yet, and I mean to. Have you? I have not, but man, you know, I, I've heard him interviewed a couple of times now about it. And uh, boy, he is, I mean, this thing happened to him, what, 15, 20 years ago, where he was mugged uh, while he was working on Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. And, you know, this is his kind of, his uh, response to it. And, you know, Batman ties into it because Batman is, uh, you know, part of his conscience, uh driving him forward whereas the joker is also part of his conscience uh trying to hold him back um it uh it sounds like a fantastic book and i just i have not picked it up but i plan to yeah Yeah. same here so but you know uh you know paul dini bruce tim a match made in heaven and and something that looks a little similar to that is uh the designs on justice league action yeah, did you watch the trailer this week? Uh, I did. Paul sent me the trailer for Justice League Action, and holy crap, that looks fantastic. Wayne, did you see it? I have not seen it yet. Cause, oh, Wayne. Because Wayne didn't have internet this week. Yeah, that's true. I, it was. I think it looks pretty damn good. Yeah, it now, looks hot. Does it look a little bit more um, family oriented or kid oriented? Certainly, than... certainly, Wonder Woman did. You yeah, know, but I, at the I, same time, I thought oh, that I thought that Batman looked a little bit more. Uh, the Batman and yes. Bat than you know Batman animated series, but I thought Superman looked more like Superman animated series, so it's kind of like a mesh maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the uh, it did not seem overly driven to children, you know. I mean, it's certainly I think that it, that it is yeah. all ages, um, but it did not seem overly so. No, it's it's not. It's certainly not Teen Titans Go. Right. Or uh, in a superhero yeah, girl superhero school squad or, whatever. or whatever that was, yeah. Yeah, you know uh, the uh, Paul had mentioned a little while ago the Target stuff, the uh, all of the superhero girls, mm-hmm. and I realized after that 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 is a TV show. Yeah, and uh, so I got my niece a bunch of stuff from that because she's really into superheroes, and I, th- I have to say that is a incredible idea. From a marketing standpoint, oh, yeah. you know, take all of the female characters, recreate their story, put them in a high school, aim it at, you know, young girls. Yeah. It's marketing. That's brilliant. And it seems to be popular with merchandise. And I know my nieces loved the uh, the Batgirl belt I got her and some of the other stuff. I would think any I would think anything you can do to grow the brand you know, and mm-hmm. enhance your market would be something correct to do. You know, I just, I, I think that's brilliant. I, you know, we, we see for years, girls have been ignored in this uh, genre and not anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, they are, they are wide open targets for, for marketing. So I, I, I think, I think it's a great idea. And I, I think that's probably where a lot of the growth in, in the uh, comic sales have come is by girls getting into comics. Yeah. 
you know, I, I hope this Justice League action is as good as it looks. Um, the animation looks nice and smooth. Is it Kevin Conroy looks, voicing it? It is Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill yeah. returning uh, to their Joker and Batman, or Batman and Joker roles. And Mark Hamill returned. I, mean, I knew Mark Hamill had made an exception to his I quit the Joker for killing joke. But it was surprising to see him come back for this. I Yeah, I thought the same thing. You know, I... Uh, and, 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 you know, he also did it for the Batman Arkham games. So I think Mark Hamill's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he's retiring like Kiss is retiring. Right, yeah. That kind of thing. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, what for whatever reason, you know, Mark Hamill is so the voice of my Joker. So yeah. I, I'm thrilled to have him back on it for whatever I can get him for. So, you know, maybe it was just one of those he had such a big time voicing Killing Joke, he wanted to come back. Yeah, I mean, action looks like a lot of fun. It does look like a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, I know we were hesitant when the original designs came out, but, you know, it looks kind of like Justice League Unlimited with even more obscure characters. You have Space Cabby in there and and some other really obscure characters, but it looks like a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Super exciting. Uh, Well, what's also kind of exciting, I don't know, I'm on the fence about it, is that um, Ghost Rider, but not... The original Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider, the most recent Ghost Rider with the muscle car, will be coming to Agents of Shield in season three. Uh, well, if I'm, it were I'm, Danny Ketch, I'd be interested. Well, or, well, or if it was any show other than Agents of Shield, that's where I fall <laughs> on it. Like, what was the choice there? You know, why, why, why that? You know, why Agents of Shield? That doesn't seem like a, a fit for Ghost Rider. First of all. Um, you know, it, it, it Ghost Rider seems more like a fit for the shows on Netflix. Yeah, and they don't. I can't think of any case where they've dealt with actual magic. And maybe that's season three, you know, maybe or four, whatever the hell season's coming up. You know, maybe that's the point. You know, they want to branch out and do supernatural now because they've done Inhumans. But I got to tell you, if they put Midnight Suns on Agents of Shield. God, See, that may draw me in, but I just don't want Agents. I don't want to watch Agents of Shield. You're right. I, what I need is a Midnight Suns doing its own thing. I need a Midnight Suns on Netflix. That's where Agreed. Midnight Suns belongs, where they can where they can be a little rougher. Because mm-hmm. you know, Agents of Shield is very much shot for the Family Hour on ABC. Yes. Well, even though I hear Agents of Shield is moving to 10 p.m., nonetheless, it's still the show that it is. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's still the weakest of the Marvel properties on television. Um, you know, Netflix announced that Daredevil season three was coming out, oh. which surprising no one. I mean, yeah, season no. two kind of ended on a note that it needed to be continued. Yeah. Uh, but, and know, they showed previews of that Iron Fist. We've got Luke, we've go got ahead. Luke Cage, Iron Fist and Defenders coming before that. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know if all three are coming before, but I, I believe so. I know that Defenders is coming before because that was the, the interview that I read with. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name that plays Daredevil. Uh, Charlie. Charlie Cox. Thank you. Um, you know, he said that uh, Defenders would be first. Um, and I think Luke Cage is prior to that as well. Jessica Jones season two will fall after. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And maybe, you know, it, it Defenders watching the trailer. I shouldn't say trailer. I'm watching the teaser because they haven't filmed a damn thing yet. Right. It, it does seem like a continuation of things that are more set up in Daredevil. Right. It seems like it'll involve stick and maybe the hand. Uh, and the rumor makes, is that it may involve – it may be kind of a Shadowland yeah. adaptation. And that makes sense given the, the scenarios they've set up. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think we get Luke Cage this fall. Yes, we get Luke Cage, I think, in November. Yeah, and so that will be Luke Cage this fall, and then there's two things that happen in 2017, which I believe are Defenders and Iron Fist. Correct. So you're probably looking at 2018 before you get Daredevil Season 3 and Jessica Jones Season 2. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I never would have believed that we'd live in this world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's crazy the amount of uh, fantastic genre entertainment we're getting. Yeah, I still can't believe that Monday I'm going to the theater to see Killing Joke. Yeah. And that it's so popular they expanded it to a second day. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's crazy the, to me. The biggest Fathom event ever. Yes. You know, to date, the biggest Fathom event. I just, I think that's, I think that's great. And I, I, now, I hope they means they'll do more of this kind of quality stuff. Did you see any of the footage that they showed from Luke Cage or Iron Fist, Aaron? I have not. I was not impressed with the Luke Cage footage, but I think I'm so used to, because I, I just recently finished Daredevil season two. Oh, so good. And, and I think, you know, part of me is just so used to those Daredevil fight sequences that when I see fight sequences that are still choreographed, but not quite that level of choreography. Well, Luke Cage in a ninja. He's just a big bruiser. Yeah. yeah true. He's just going to punch you. And that's definitely what we get. He'll punch you. Yeah, he's just going to punch your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about some comic news. Um, announced at San Diego Comic-Con. Sticking with Marvel, Richard Ryder is returning in the pages of the all-new Nova, coming out later this year. See, that that might bring me back to a Marvel book. I mean, the other kid is still there. Yeah, but, but if Richard so, Ryder's there, I can live with that. So what Marvel seems and, to have done, instead of double shipping, they're going to double character going forward. <laughs> okay <laughs> tell me about it, paul what does this mean well it means we have two captain americas we have two hulks or multiple hulks we have two novas we're we, we're gonna have two iron men you know because we're gonna have ricky and we're gonna have dr doom like it seems like that's what they're going with like to justify their their bi-weekly shipping or that have instead of bi-weekly shipping they're gonna have multiple titles which is different characters with the same name do we still have multiple hulks no maybe not you know, say, that, i think we're down to one now. now well you know yeah we, we we did knock out one uh the the key one <laughs> i mean we still yeah. have red hulk right he's still he's and he'll be the lead of the u.s avengers so yeah, I guess uh, he was the only one that banner didn't cure because banner went around you know in the last hulk series before all of this went down and cured a whole bunch of them true so we only have two hulks i guess is the answer so we've got but, a Red yeah. Hulk and we've got Amadeus Cho Hulk. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to get double – we're still going to get the same number of books, I think, from Marvel, if not more. Let me just say because... that our, our Hulk game is weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. But the Nova game may be strong. Richard Ryder, hopefully it's a well-written, well-drawn book. Who's because, writing uh, it? Do we know? They have not announced that I saw. Because, man, I, I love me some Richard Ryder. I love me some Richard Ryder. You know, one thing that I didn't put on the outline that is disappointing um, is that the Super Sons book from DC Comics has been delayed till 2017. No. Oh. Um, That's disappointing. You know, I don't know if it's because they don't want, you know, that maybe they have to wait for certain storylines to finish to set that huh. story arc up or or if the creative team just needed more time. I don't know. They haven't really said other than it's coming in 2017. But to be yeah. fair, they never announced a creative team to begin with. Right. Just that a book was coming. Because definitely the Superman book has been, you know, building that character up, yeah. building up uh, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. So maybe they need more of that to happen. Yeah. And, well, let me talk about – oh, go ahead. Well, and while we're on the, the subject of, uh, of Jonathan uh, Kent, uh, you know, the Superman's son, some shit went down in this week's uh, issue of Superman that Wayne and I are not happy with. Right, Wayne? That is right. We are, I, we are unhappy. 
I thought about you when I read that. Page. Oh, I did too. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Wayne will not be happy about this. And I mean, I, yeah. it, it, they save it towards the very end of the book, but uh, you know, we, we 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 are treated with the happiness of seeing Crypto at the fortress with you know the surviving Superman, the Superman, uh, the pre Flashpoint Superman, and Lois and their son John at uh, the New Fifty Two Fortress of Solitude where the Eradicator is, and Crypto. And Crypto no longer looks like the big dire wolf from the New 52 books. He looks more like a pre-Flashpoint Crypto. Friendly, doggy-looking Crypto. Yeah, and even there's a point where Jonathan's petting him. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just so tickled that, you know, look, we've got we've got a super boy, even though that's not what he calls himself. We have a super boy, and we've got his super dog. How perfect is this? Wait! The Eradicator eats Crypto. Now, fortunately, there didn't seem to be any chewing, so I'm going to <laughs> hope that Crypto is whole inside the Eradicator and uh, that Crypto is back in the next issue because I'm, I, I will choke a bitch is what I'm saying. Uh, I just don't know who to choke. <laughs> well, I, 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 am, I am going to uh, you know get rather harsh and stern with somebody at DC Comics. Is all I saying. have faith in Pete Tomasi. I mean, between Bat Cow and, and <laughs> all, all between all the animals in the Bat Cave, I'm pretty sure he's he's a pet lover. That's a fair point. Um, well, you know, uh, DC Comics also announced, very exciting for me. We talked about but the Batman the animated series stuff uh, earlier. Batman and TMNT Adventures. Um, you know, they had the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. There is another one coming out. Um, however, it is going to cross over animated universes um, of the 90s Batman the Animated Series and the, uh, I believe, 2000s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, cartoon, you know, done in those animated uh -huh. styles uh, comic book. I'm not a Ninja Turtle guy, but that sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, Batman not... Ninja Turtles was really good. It was a good series, and I think this I would actually enjoy this more uh, because it seems more conducive to crossover. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, you know, what I'm also excited about is that Tom Taylor is returning to Injustice is he for Injustice is, 2. Is he returning to Injustice to shut it down? No, Injustice, uh, Injustice is shutting down, I believe, in the next couple of issues, um, but they're going to be doing Injustice 2, which is oh, the story of the second gotcha. game that's coming out. I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, and so Tom Taylor says that this story will bring hope back to the world. Um, Interesting. You know, whereas Injustice 1 was about taking it away. Injustice 2 is about bringing hope back, and I believe he's involved with the video game as well. Well, I, so I'm I, not surprised at all that they're doing more comics and more video because Injustice has been a comic book that has uh, surpassed the game comic book readers. Yeah, well, and the the uh, the Injustice the the comic has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed that book. Yeah, I know people that normally don't read comics that have been reading this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super good. Uh, I I I I am I, I stay caught up on it. It's hard. It's hard to remain current on the weekly books. Uh, but, man, that's one that, that I am down for every week. I love that book. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so behind on it. I think, I'm, I think I finished season three, and that's where I left it. Yeah. Um, and they're on season, they're almost done with season five. Yeah. But I, I will get caught up in time for Injustice 2, and I'm super excited about the game. I love the original game. So, Paul, have you bought anything in the Dark Horse sale this week on Comixology? I'm, I have resisted thus far. How could you resist? I have... I, Make sure the, the wife isn't listening closely. I've spent more than $50 on that damn sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's why I've resisted, because I know. Paul has no impulse control. Paul went San Diego Comic-Con exclusive shopping this week. Paul knows he has no impulse control. San Diego Comic-Con crazy. What did you, you know, buy, Paul? Well, because Barnes & Noble, Hot Topic, Toys R Us, um, GameStop, uh, and a couple of other stores had some San Diego Comic-Con exclusives. And so I picked up a Batman The Dark Knight um, animated series-style bust. I picked up the Superman animated series bust, um, a Batman animated series bust. I picked up a Doomsday from Batman versus Superman Funko Pop, um, and a an underwater Batman from Suicide Squad uh, Funko Pop. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can probably pass up that Dark Horse sale. <laughs> oh, Paul. I know, but no, Aaron. These busts are so awesome. You know, they're all done in, you know, there was an episode of Batman, the animated series, where they told um, the story of Batman, the Dark Knight. These kids are kind of given their different interpretations. Yeah, I love that episode. Yeah. And, and one of them is, you know, the, the mutant fight or the fight with the mutant leader. And so this bust is Batman and he's all muddy and he's, you know, right. Dark Knight, Frank Miller style. And it's oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So, no, no. Dark Horse sale. Not doing it. Not doing it, Aaron. <laughs> well, you know, the, the they they in uh you know for the San Diego Comic-Con season they have put uh the Dark Horse line-wide sale up which is just so awesome and i mean there's so many books that i don't have from Dark Horse because they weren't selling through Comicsology for the longest time and so i mean i bought i bought 50 issues of uh BPRD and I just love BPRD. I finished off my, uh, uh, I, I got the last two issues of Hellboy in Hell, which I didn't understand was actually ending the Hellboy storyline. Yes. Uh, I, I, I did not, I was not tuned into that until I read the last issue. I'm like, holy crap. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you still get plenty of, of uh, plenty of that universe's goodness through the pages of BPRD. And BPRD is just fantastic. So uh, I, I, and the problem is, is that there's so much out there to get, so I have to wait for these sales to pick them up. But, whew, good stuff. Well, let's talk about the big thing we wanted to talk about this week. Star Trek Beyond came out in theaters this past Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. At Wednesday, if you lived somewhere nice that played the Star Trek Marathon, unlike me. Um but so I saw it in IMAX 3D. I don't know what version you saw, Aaron. I saw it in XD Real D 3D. Whether I see it in theaters or not will be highly dependent on what you guys say about it. Um, uh, now, all right. So I, do we give took, a one sentence? Go ahead. You took the day off, right? Yes, I did. I uh, took a half day. And uh, people at work were like, what do you got going on this afternoon? Uh, you know, we got, we got X, Y, and Z happening. And I'm like, oh, I, I can't. I've got a doctor's appointment. <laughs> I didn't lie. I just like I put a, I practically put the damn thing on my calendar. Well, you know, and I, I started I started providing more information. My doctor's kind of curmudgeonly, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he just he's always talking about what he, what he, what he is and what he's not, and uh, you know, he, he but he does make a a tremendous real Georgia mint julep, uh, <laughs> describing Doctor McCoy. But uh, uh, yeah, went and saw it yesterday. So one sentence review, and then we'll go into details. Aaron, did you like it? It's hard to answer that question that simply, but but if we're if we're putting it on a scale, you know, yes. of like, you know, the the ratio of like to dislike, I would say that I liked it more than I disliked it. 
Okay. I feel like we're going to have an interesting conversation because I fucking loved it. Did you really? I did. I thought it was great. I thought that – Now, is it flawed? Yes. There are parts of the movie that I think are brilliant, and there are parts of the movie that just set my teeth on edge. All right. Why don't we start with the negative? Okay. Um, am I starting? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, they blow up the Enterprise in this ep- in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I have a real problem with that. Like significantly blow up the Enterprise. Yeah. Like like the Enterprise gets more fucked up than I have ever seen the Enterprise get fucked up before. It uh, and it's blown up. They like blew it up and then peed on the ashes. Yeah, I mean they, they just blew it up to hell. I mean, <laughs> and th- there is so much homage to what's come before in these films. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this bugs me almost in the same way that the presence of Khan bothered me in the previous movie. They were trying to it, – it, it's less homage, and it seems more like cheering the band. You know, like, this worked in this other movie, and it was it was visceral and whatnot, so let's do that. So in Into Darkness, you have the very uh, touching moment – uh, between, or I'm, I'm throwing touching up in air quotes, between Kirk and Spock as Kirk's dying in the radiation chamber. Yes. Um, and it, that emotional beat didn't work. And what they were trying to go is the emotional beat of Spock dying in the radiation chamber in Wrath of Khan. But the reason why that worked is you had 20 years of these characters being together, mm-hmm. um, whereas you had two movies. Well, same thing. They're trying to to tap into that emotional beat of the Enterprise blowing up, but we don't have that emotional link to this Enterprise like we did the Enterprise that blew up in Star Trek III: The Search for Spock. So, and it, they spend so much time destroying the ship, and it's just like, okay, well, this is just is is just disaster porn. It's not emotionally meaningful, and that that's what. That bugged the shit out of me, Paul. Um, continuing on to dislikes. Okay. And I liked, number one, I liked the uh, Captain's Log that we start off with at the beginning of the movie where Kirk is kind of talking about where he is mm-hmm. uh, emotionally. But what I disliked about it is that they are three years into their five-year mission and he's got ennui. You know, he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't kind of lost my direction. Maybe I don't want to be a captain anymore. It's hard to feel grounded when your gravity's artificial. Yada 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 yada. And I'm just like, oh, shut up. You know, uh, I understand that Chris Pine is playing a Kirk that's not William Shatner's Kirk, right? These guys are are mm-hmm. two different characters. They have some similar uh, foundational elements, but they are not the same guy. But you know. Kirk didn't leave the captaincy uh, for the Admiralty because he was tired of being a ship's captain. He was he was worried about his career, right? He wanted to promote because that's what you do. And then he found yeah. out, oh, shit, this isn't clearly as fun as I thought it was going to be, right? Um, whereas he's wanting to promote because he's, he's he doesn't feel he, – he feels like he doesn't have a direction. And that bugged me because that's not the guy that I'm interested in seeing. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I want a conflicted character. I want a character who's working some stuff out. But I, I just really challenge the fact that, you know, the guy that we saw in Star Trek 2009, who was like, fuck yeah, I'm captain of a ship, you know, and the guy who we got to see a little bit of in Into Darkness or five-year mission, Spock, and then he's dissatisfied with a five-year mission. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not really the character I want to see. I would rather see him, you know, 
be conf- there, there's a moment where we see uh, Sulu meeting his family, right? Uh, yeah. We see his little girl, we see his husband, and you know we see Kirk smile. I would prefer that his conflict be I I don't feel grounded because I don't have a family and kind of struggle with the you know here I am in my 30s now instead of my 20s and you know I maybe I should be starting a family. That would have been more more realistic to the character mm-hmm. than you know. I don't enjoy jumping around space because if anybody enjoys jumping around space, it's Captain Kirk in any universe. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm a bit annoyed to hear they blow up the Enterprise because when I look at the new movies, it seems like every one they have to at least, you know, the Enterprise has to get bashed up pretty good. I have a hard time, you know, I, and I don't want to say I disagree with you because – I, I am tired of seeing the Enterprise blown up. Uh-huh. But at the same time, the Next Generation did it all the time too. Oh yeah, uh, I was annoyed by that in the Next Generation movies too. Yeah, the Next don't don't uh, <laughs> don't set your foundation on the Next Generation movies. <laughs> fair, because there's fair. only one good one. <laughs> um, the only one where they didn't blow up the Enterprise. Exactly. <laughs> it just got invaded by Borg. Um, the the uh, my problem, and but here's this in Generations. There were two reasons to blow up the Enterprise, right? One of which was they had a bigger budget. They were going to design a, a, a better ship that photographed better, right? So you had that that issue with it. But you also had seven years of being emotionally linked to that ship. Yes. That was it was a whole generation of people's Enterprise, right? And so when the Enterprise comes apart in generations, that's meaningful, mm-hmm. right? It, it served the same purpose as when the Enterprise goes down in search for Spock. You do not have the same emotional resonance in this movie. I don't disagree. What I saw was was as a means to an end to redesign the Enterprise. Um, you know, to, you know to, to move away from the JJ. Like but, as much as JJ was involved in this film, supposedly I don't think he was, but he's on the press junket for it. They they seem to undo a lot of the things that JJ did to change things. Mm-hmm. What about Lens Flare? How much Lens Flare was there? Not significantly a lot. less. Yeah, not a yeah. lot. But Paul, I hate the design of the new ship. Do you really? I, but now, don't get me wrong. I've not been a big fan of the current design. And so they, they try to achieve a more traditional look with the V'd angle of the nacelles. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look right because the 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 uh, the nacelle docks, I forget what they're called, the, the ports that connect them to the secondary hull mm-hmm. um, are too thick. I mean, they thicken as they go down. They don't, they're not they're not streamlined. I, I think it's a, a rather clumsy looking design, and maybe they'll clean it up for the next movie. By the way, they've announced a fourth movie. Yeah. Um. I. I but boy, I I didn't like that. But that's also something that annoyed the shit out of me when they're at the uh, Yorktown Space Station, and you hear them say, uh, "Well, you know, we." You, the Enterprise is the only ship that can respond. We have a more technologically advanced ship, but it's not ready. And I was like, oh, they're going to blow up the Enterprise, and that's going to be their new ship. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. It, there, I really feel like there should be emotional stakes where if you blow up your ship, you don't just get to get another one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if, you blow, if a ship is being built, they should already be working on the crew. Uh-huh. You shouldn't just okay. Hey, let's hand the ship over to somebody who just got a ship blown up. Exactly. Yeah. Because you know, at the so, end of Star Trek Three, there wasn't another ship for for that crew. You know, so I mean, it and and this is the same goddamn thing they did in Into Darkness. At the end of Wrath of Khan, Spock was dead. 
Yeah. We all walked out of that movie not knowing if we were getting a sequel because, you know, it wasn't the Internet back then. Spock was dead. Spock was dead for a long time. <laughs> At the end of Into Darkness, we bring Kirk back. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's almost no there's almost no tension to it because Spock, uh, Kirk's dead. And then McCoy looks over and sees the dead Tribble back to life. I'm like, oh, OK, well, that's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So at the end so, of this, not only did they blow up their ship, but they go to Yorktown. They just all hang out there for the for the for, for the ship to be built, and they're off in space again. Yeah. So can, I, I do want to say one, one negative that I had, and it's a it's a quibble, not a negative. So um, a good portion of this film takes place on the Star Station or whatever, um, Yorktown, which you know, as someone who lives a half hour from Yorktown, pretty cool that they they named it that. But the entire time I'm thinking, why didn't you call it Deep Space One or something? Yeah. Like, right. it just seemed like a missed opportunity. Well, and Yorktown is a Constitution-class cruiser in the original timeline. You know, it's it's just like the Enterprise, right? And so it kept bugging me that they kept calling Yorktown the uh, space station because I'm like, no, the Yorktown goes places. <laughs> it didn't just sit there and float in the middle of nowhere. Like like Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I mean, and, that's, it, 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 it seems like a well, – it seems like a perfect opportunity to to call back to that. So I bitched a lot about this. Did, mm-hmm. did you have anything that you wanted to share? Or should I move on to what I liked about it? You know, major gripes. I didn't have a ton. Okay. Um, you know, I, I I feel like you. Uh, you know, I I I too am tired of seeing the Enterprise blown blown up. Um, for me, I thought I, I've seen it so many times, but um, you know. It didn't bother me as much as it bothered you because of the way they did it. I thought it was a pretty spectacular sequence. Um, I, my, my major negative point to note, um, and this is minor spoiler. I'm not going to give away anything, but I'm going to say the film spends an awfully long time before they give the villain a motivation. Yeah, long time. Um, you long really don't time. know why he's doing what he's doing until the last 10 minutes of well, the movie. And let me tell you, there there is a... There's a sequence in the movie where he is doing terrible things to members of the Enterprise crew. Yes. And I I, I note at, at a point shortly after that, I'm like, man, I hated his makeup before because, you know, he's wearing a prosthetic. But I kind of like it now. And I did not make the connection until later in the film that it was the thing that he was doing to the Enterprise crew that changed his appearance. It was uh. not immediately apparent to me anyway that that's what was going on until until one of the characters says, well, when he did this horrible thing to the crew, he changed. And I was like, oh, thanks for pointing that out to me because I so didn't get that. I was just like, oh, I guess I, I guess it's better lighting because let me tell you, the movie is dark in a lot of scenes. It is. It is. You know, that's I, been one of my problems with Star Trek movies. The uh, the shows were all bright and the movies have all been very darkly lit. So, Paul, let's talk about what we liked, because I, I have given the impression that I hated this movie, and I did not. Well, I have one question for you before you guys do that. Yes, okay. Do they find some convoluted way to reference the old timeline? Well, Wayne, you're going to like this. Yeah. They tie back to Enterprise pretty hard in this movie. Interesting. The TV show Enterprise. And Enterprise yeah. is part of the shared universe. So uh, things that happened in Enterprise – happened in the kelvin timeline not just the original series timeline um so much but so in Klingons this movie that looks so different yeah well you know we don't go there but uh, um the there are scenes in which we're wearing the enterprise uniforms right uh Ooh. so there are some really nice tiebacks and this is one of the things that that i really like about the movie that there is 
a sense of respect for what's come before. There are a lot of, uh, of uh, I, you know, we'd call it fan service. I'd call it a tip of the hat uh, to what's gone before. In fact, you know, they're, they're talking about a ship that's disappeared. And like, well, what, you know, do we know uh, what happened to it? Well, there's a lot of stories. Big Green Hand in Space grabbed it, you know, referencing the Cat's Paw episode from the original series. Uh, um, you know, things like that. There is a wonderful scene, and it caught me by surprise, I guess because Leonard Nimoy's been dead for more than a year now. Uh, mm. It caught me by surprise when not only did they let, you know, uh, our Spock know, or the Kelvin timeline Spock know, that Ambassador Spock had died, but he finds the picture of the original crew, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in his belongings. Uh, I, I just, I thought that was cool. I thought that was a nice homage. Yeah. Uh, I One of the things I feel bad for, I don't. it's not that I dislike this in the movie, I just feel bad. You know, you had some characters who got so much screen time and really good screen time. Uh, like, you can tell that Simon Pegg wrote the movie because Scotty is all over this film. Yeah. Right? Um, Dr. McCoy and Mr. Spock get brilliant time together. And it's something that's been missing from the previous films was time for these characters to actually talk. You know, in the prior movies, it's what do we accomplish in the scene? Move it the fuck along. There's not a lot of time for the characters to breathe. And I really liked that uh, in in this film with with Dr. McCoy and Mr. Spock spending a fuck ton of time together. Mm -hmm. Um, Because those are those are two character personalities that play well against each other. But can I say, <laughs> I like Zachary Quinto in this role less and less with each film. Really? I do. I it, it, Number one, he's far too pudgy to be Mr. Spock. Uh, you know, he I don't know if he's got, if he's like part gerbil and he's, you know, carrying <laughs> treats in his, in his cheeks or something. He got nuts up there or something. But man, he, he is, uh, he, he needs to back away from the craft service table. Let's just say that. <laughs> And I will also say in this film, and this is me nitpicking, everybody needed a goddamn haircut. Uh, Captain Kirk's hair was too long. Scotty's hair was way too long. We needed to braid it. Uh, And my complaint with Spock is that in the previous two movies, it always seemed to me that he actually cut his hair that way. In this film, it looked like he was wearing a wig. Yeah. And I mean, I just it was a terrible wig. Terrible. William Shatner would not have worn that wig. It was a <laughs> terrible wig. Um, but, you know, again, all of these things are quibbles. There is a remarkable sense of humor to the film. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I, I do want to mention something real quick in regards to you saying about um, the screen time. I feel like everyone got more screen time in this film than in the previous films, the, the supporting cast. That's true, but... I felt like everybody's screen time was meaningful with, and this is where I was going with that original. So original statement. So thank you for bringing me back to it. Anton Yelchin didn't really have any meaningful moments in the film. He's in it a lot. He's running around with the captain a lot, but he doesn't really have anything meaty to it. Whereas Uhura's got a beautiful moment in the film. Yeah. Uh, you know, Spock and McCoy, great moments. Of course, they're, they're part of the big three. Um, Scotty was all over this. Sulu had some, had some nice moments, but you know, Anton Yelchin as Chekhov, uh, and this being his final Star Trek role, uh, prior to his death, 
you know, he, he was punching buttons and he's doing things, but he doesn't have that moment where you're going, man, he's a really cool character. Whereas you did with the other guys. And that's the thing I was a little disappointed by. Uh, and of course they didn't know that this was going to be his last film, but, uh, and now were you worried that they weren't going to do a memoriam? In the film? <laughs> no, no. I'm sure there was. I was sure there was going to be. I just wasn't sure where it was going to well, be. Well, you know, they did. The guy that played Chekhov died. Yeah, he uh, yeah. he uh, died a couple of weeks back. No, I hadn't heard that. He uh, he his car apparently was in neutral, and he went to his mailbox, and the car rolled and crushed him between he and his mailbox. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, just just fluke kind of accident. Uh, but you know that. I was expecting the, you know, uh, in memory of, uh, you know, Anton Yelchin to open the film, and it didn't. And then when the credits start rolling, you still don't have it. I'm like, are these motherfuckers not going to do it? (laughs) (laughs) But they finally do it. (laughs) They did. They did. Yeah. But, you know, uh, things that I liked about the film is that it really felt... If for me, it felt like an episode of a TV series. It did. It did. Uh, It felt... they, They boldly went... Yes. Yeah. They, they they embraced that episodic nature of the TV series. And, you know, this is another adventure of the Enterprise crew. Um, yes, we lost the Enterprise. But, you know, once you're on the planet and the story is unfolding, um, you know, I, for me, I, I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the characters. Um, you know, I thought the direction by Justin Lin. I know a lot of people were worried. It's Fast and the Furious. But I had zero issues with his directing style. My only complaint about the directing was the swarm. And I think mm-hmm. he directed it well. I just didn't care for the design of the swarm. Yeah, makes sense. But uh, And one of the things I'll take issue with is these guys are, you know, in this remote planet, but yet they have developed so much power. You know, that just yeah. seemed a little bizarre to me. But, you know, the minor. Again, minor. I like the movie more than I dislike the movie. Yeah, I, I liked it a hell of a lot better than I liked Into Darkness. And so I, I've I, seen a lot of people talking about that uh, new female character. Yeah, that's an alien of some sort. How was yeah. she in it? I liked her. Yeah, she did good. Yeah, I liked her. Yeah, and Jayla. Yeah, and you know, uh, based on Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Yes. Yeah. Um, I uh, there is a moment in the film where you're led to believe she'll be back, and I'm I'm curious if they actually do that. Um, I like the film. I, I like the film. I, I just didn't love it. Uh, and I I have loved the opening sequences from each of these three films. And I, I loved the opening sequence to this film. Yeah, this one was a lot of fun. There was a lot of fun in this yeah. film. Um, you know, it didn't take itself too seriously, like Into Darkness. Despite the fact that you know, so many people died. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we didn't know any of those people. <laughs> um, no, it's, and, and, you know... Carl Urban as Bones. He was uh, really good. He, he is he, just the epitome of that role he, now. He, I mean, I feel like when I watch Zachary Quinto in this role, I feel like I'm watching Zachary Quinto play Spock. Mm-hmm. When I see Carl Urban in this role, he really has made McCoy his own. Yes. I, don't get me wrong. I love me some DeForest Kelly in the role of McCoy in the original series. But I feel like Carl Urban has genuinely made this role his own. Yes. And, 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 you know, I just I, more so than than either uh, Zachary Quinto has or even Chris Pine. And I like Chris yeah. Pine in the Kirk role, but I just think that Carl Urban has just, you know, immersed himself in McCoy. Yeah. Chris Pine does what he needs to yeah. as the, the, you know, the captain of the Enterprise. But Zach, uh, but, um, you know, Carl Urban is I mean, he is I mean, he's just the best part of the movie. Yeah, he is. He is. So Star Trek Beyond. I saw it in IMAX 3D. I thought it was 
I mean, did I think the 3D was worth it? I mean, it's not it's not like mind blowing, but um, I, I think it's you know seeing it on the big screen with the IMAX sound or whatever the RPX sound or um, I thought it was a beautiful film. I would I would have preferred to see it in standard format. Um, mm-hmm. I. I don't like how dark the movie is to begin with, and then you add a shade of darkness to the uh, 3D glasses. Yeah. Um, and I don't care for that. Um, but I, I think it's a good-looking movie. I think it sounded terrific. I've already uh, picked up the uh, uh, soundtrack to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like all three of those soundtracks. I, you know, They're very different than the Jerry Goldsmith or James Horner soundtracks that we've had in uh, previous Star Trek uh, films. Mm-hmm. But they they really do have a, a nice, peppy sort of pulp adventure sound, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have been on a Star Trek kick. I uh, just finished the new Star Trek novel audiobook uh, by Greg Cox. It's fantastic. Love it. It is called uh, Captain to Captain Legacies, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first the first book in this three part series is out, and it is really good. The second book, I think, drops next week. Um, it is super good. It it picks up from uh, the original Captain of the Enterprise, not Christopher Pike, but Robert April, then Christopher Pike, then Captain Kirk, and all three of those characters are featured, but featured prominent prominently is number one, the first officer that served under Christopher Pike. Um, it is a really super good story. I, it has a nice twist to it uh, that I won't spoil here. I highly recommend it. And I want to thank uh, a number of our listeners who pointed out to me this week that Modifius has announced that they are producing a new Star Trek role-playing game which will be out uh, either later this year or early 2017. Uh, super excited about that as well. So uh, thanks to our listeners for, for uh, cluing me into that. Well, so next week on the podcast, I don't know what comics we're going to talk about, but <laughs> you can be sure we're going to talk about the rest of the San Diego Comic-Con announcements from this weekend and Batman the Killing Joke. Cannot wait for Killing Joke Monday night. Me either. Yeah. yeah, I think that'll probably take most of our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, we hope that Tim gets to feeling better. He's been feeling puny today. So, uh, Tim, we're thinking about you. Aaron is. Well, I'm going to drink a Zika just uh, – not a Zika, a Zima just for him. <laughs> yeah, don't drink a Zika. <laughs> drink a Zima. <laughs> All right, Told guys. You that, you. Y'all have a great week. You too. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.